welcome to Compelling Communicators, a podcast where we learn some golden communication truths from compelling communicators from wide-ranging fields, including teaching, mediation, youth work, mental health nursing, counseling, expressive arts modalities, and community development. In this conversation with Kate Lawrence, a storyteller running her own organization, an activist, facilitator, and former community lawyer, we hear how Kate views communication as a manifestation of the element of reciprocity, and at its best, a collaborative process, which if done well, can work towards a resolution of some of the world's problems. She calls us to stay open-hearted as we communicate. Kate shares how her core value of equality is rooted in her belief of the humanity in each of us and the value of the stories we all have to share about our lives and experiences. She speaks about the importance of using communication to share power and how care, connection and clarity are key features of her approach to communication. Listen out for more about Kate's three C's of communication, how to create the conditions for good communication, including the importance of context in successful communication, what the weight of silence means when performative communication is making an impact, and the importance of allowing space in between communication for things to cook plus the value of returning to a communicative experience to explore ideas over time and deepen into a trusting process together. Please note this trigger warning, sexual abuse is mentioned early in this episode. Now over to Kate Lawrence to introduce herself. I um, live in uh, on the lands of the Gunung Wollombulluk at the foot of Mount Macedon, so about 65 kilometres north of Melbourne. I work from home. I've um, been working with story, um, particularly oral story, for about 10 years, but in the last three years I've moved across to audio storytelling. Um, I also have a really strong interest in collaboration. I had a previous life as a community lawyer and then I left the law to uh, and, and sort of moved across into collaborative processes as opposed to adversarial. Um, and so, yeah, I really um, am interested in how we collaborate because it's in collaboration that we're going to solve the world's problems. And communication is a collaborative process. Yeah. In fact, thinking about your questions in advance, I realised it's at, at, at core it's um, a manifestation of the um, element of reciprocity. Interesting. So jumping back into the previous question, is reciprocity a value that's important to you? Um, yeah, I th yes, definitely. But I, I guess um, my fundamental, fundamental value is equality um, and that if you're in a you know a reciprocal <clears throat> excuse me reciprocal relationship then you're going to um have an element of equality in there it's a give and take um so equality a leader in every chair these kinds of um ideas of just the humanity of each of us is at the heart of um 
my communication. Oh, thank you. So we're starting right in the deep end, aren't we? <laughs> Sorry, that's um. <laughs> I love it. No apologies needed. It's amazing. That's what communication is for me: is being able to go deep, fast, um, safely. Mm. Um, what does communication as a concept mean to you? You started to talk about it, but would you like to say more about? So. Um... It's for me. It's really about caring, caring um, for the people that you're communicating with. Of course, caring for yourself as well. And it's about I, I came up with these sort of three C's. I'm like, what's another C? Um, so it was caring and connection were the two ones that came off. But the last one, which is really important to me, is clarity. Is um, so you're you're striving for to be clear because, as Brene Brown says, clear is kind. Um, and uh, it's also about authenticity. So that's the element that comes through from um, storytelling. That's a thing I learnt there. It's about not using language um, for power um, uh, and not buying into ideas of what's professional. It's professional to communicate in this robotic um, way. So, yes, yeah, sort of trying to steer away from those things. It's about... Um, using communication as a leveler, as a, a way of touching something in another person. You talk about communication, um, many aspects of communication that are important to you, including key concepts of authenticity, power, these big beasts in our world, um, certainly in the worlds that we both inhabit. Can you tell us more about your work, how you use communication in your work? Uh, and I'm sure power and clarity and authenticity will come through, um, both as a storyteller, but also how your previous experience as a community lawyer um, has informed uh, how you use communication in your work. Yeah, so I think um, it's... So communication for me has to come from the heart. So you're you're clearly using these abstract concepts of ideas and logic, and and those things are very helpful. Um, but it's a it's a heartfelt connection. So it's relationship based. Uh, in my work, I um, use it. I guess you know, in a pragmatic sense, is just taking the time to reply to that you know, that email that kind of, and I'm not perfect at this by any means, it's aspirational in many ways, but also, um, so just, yeah, taking time to reply, taking time to interact with the human on the other end, know that they're a human, not, uh, a, you know, a sort of piece of a machine or something. Um, so, uh, so I, I, and listening, 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 listening is kind of uh, a key uh, element of what I bring to storytelling, but also in that reciprocity, you're also speaking. So I listen, I write, I craft, I shape, and I share. They're the kind of key activities in my um, communication work. Um, and I absolutely learnt, um, so I bring a few um, natural attributes, I think, like curiosity. Um, and there was one other that I thought, oh, yeah, that's that's something, and a, and a great love of story, as well as this, I, I have a really logical um, 
brain um, and I can be very sensitive, like oversensitive sometimes. So these things I bring, but but where I learnt how to be um, a good communicator and a, be a good listener, I think, was sitting year after year after year listening to people's stories uh, as related to their legal issues and the law is all about storytelling i'm not a lawyer's lawyer i'm a people's lawyer which meant i would listen to their stories and just and and i was always so curious i wanted to know what happened next what happens we'd left the law behind but but i needed to have a full understanding of the human and and what i came really every time to understand was that if I really um, took the time to understand the human underneath the legal problem, even if they were accused of a crime, that I would care about them. Um, unless they were lying, and sometimes you could tell that. Not that it's my, you know, I'm not judge and jury, and that's always your your, your dilemma as a lawyer. You're, you're not judge and jury. But, um, yeah, I would always care. And, and so it just taught me that beneath everyone there's a, there's a lived experience, um, and that that lived experience enables, you know, helps me to understand and to care uh, about people. And, and, and so listening, um, it was really humbling. You know, I just would come out of my office like, God, you just, you know, you do, if, if the judge could hear this, because they weren't telling it for any reason except to explain themselves. And, and, and over time I learned how powerful it was that they could be heard, that, that the actual, that, that that became as important, if not more important, than anything that happened in the courtroom. So being witnessed. Yeah. I mean, which is an interesting yes. uh, term, isn't it, in relation to law, witnesses. But yeah. being, being witnessed in their the creation of the, the, the meaning that they're making out of what's happened to them. Yeah. I'm intrigued. You talked about authenticity earlier. How do you know when somebody isn't being authentic? which is another word for saying, I guess, when they're not telling the truth. Yeah, in, um, in, in law, it would be you're asking questions about how things happened and I'm assessing my story is that those answers are not adding up. They're not like you can't answer those questions. Um, and sometimes there might be really good reasons for those. Um, but your role isn't always to, um, yeah. Your your role is to listen and believe, really. And I'm I'm hugely gullible, and I'll believe most of what's put in front of me. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some offences that, um, particularly sex offences, and I, I didn't have many of those. But you know, I was always pretty sceptical when the answers were you know, not not adding up. You mentioned storytelling, and I I know that storytelling is at the heart of your work now, because that's how we met uh, yes. through um, one, the wonderful work that you do and, and supporting others to, to shape their stories. And I personally benefited enormously from the time spent doing that with you and others. So thank you for that. And thank you for the work that you do, supporting people to shape and, and share their stories and shift things within them. Uh, you've mentioned time and the time required um, to, to to be in communication with people um, and how listening is so critical to that. Would you like to build on that or add to that around describing the type of communication that you use? And again, I'm sure you've talked about it already, 
but uh, the type of communication in storytelling in particular that you are bringing. So um, so I started telling stories after I moved out of the law and was, was studying um, collaboration and group processes. And it was just a kind of a side thing that I'd always had this curiosity and always wanted to be able to tell stories, basically stemming from a terrible failure of a you know, very embarrassing performance story. Um, and, and so that drove my desire to tell stories. Well, it, it created the desire, but it drove it underground through Covered in Shame. Um, so I started with folk tales and uh, started working with the Storytelling um, Guild of Victoria because they had places you could go and have a crack at telling a story in a performance way. Uh, and then I moved over to True Personal Stories and sort of you know, saw what the moth was doing and was really um, uh, really wanted to um, see if I could do that. There wasn't many or any people doing that in the in the guild. They were very much about folktales. But folktales really taught me about good story structure. They really helped me learn how to perform and be dramatic around a story without having to actually create the story itself. Um, and they're lots of fun and you can, you, you know, they're fictional so you can change them and, you know, make them whatever you want them to be. Um, but when I came to the true personal storytelling, what I what I sort of realised eventually, no, no, it wasn't too far in, but that I had to make sense of the story. So I had to make sense of my my personal experience and that in doing that, in, in doing that sense making, in making it kind of universal, bringing to it that resolution that is the heart of storytelling that I was doing that for myself as well as the audience and so I've learned a lot since then that um, there's different types of sharing of stories like we we tell stories all the time every day um, but when we come to perform a story we're in a leadership role we're responsible for our audience as opposed to where people are bearing witness now they may still bear witness and and we still get that but we're also responsible for where we take the audience and where we leave them um and and that means we can go to dark and heavy places as long as we understand where you know that, that we're holding the audience and they feel held they don't feel like they're holding us. They're not like, oh, poor you, sort of wanting to put our hands out and protect you as a storyteller. You're clearly in control um, and you bring the story and the um, to a place of peace, hope or resolution. So that's my way of um, approaching storytelling. That doesn't mean to say everyone has to do that. And there's a whole, in an open mic, which is um, we run women's open mics nine times a year in Melbourne, um, and you have everything from a crafted story all the way through to, oh, yeah, I'm just going to jump up and, and tell stuff. Um, and so there's not always that sense making, but it was really when I started doing that, that helped me, it helps me process my life. It helps me feel more um, full, you, you know, it sort of gives my life depth as opposed to being in a, a shell and all this memory is tucked away deep, hidden, too shameful to whatever, or just forgotten. And, and bringing it out and making sense of it and understanding myself anew. It's like bringing in a little piece of me. Into so it sounds like a therapeutic tool that you use for yourself it, as, as a way of uncovering and, and um, leaning into your words, but they're very much mine as well, leaning into the areas of our, our experiences that we, we might feel as, as shame or shameful um, and that we, by 
by making sense of them and bringing out into the light and 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 creating a story around them and making sense of them and sharing them with a, a safe container around them from the scar not the wound as you as you taught me um we can heal yeah that scar not the wound is from glennon doyle it's not mine at all but um yeah and it doesn't have to be i i, I you know i don't mind the word therapeutic but i also really like the word reflective it's a reflective it's a reflective process and so journaling is a reflective process all of these things are reflective um, contemplative processes that help us understand and make sense and also make them entertaining and and dramatic and you know all of these things that are part of it so yes there's that therapy but it doesn't have to always be heavy stuff it can just be something that is, stands out in your memory and like you know I don't know why sure. I remember that yeah and that comes back to that collaborative piece around, you know, manifestation of reciprocity. Here's a story I have. I'd like to share it with you. What about your story? Share them with me. And it goes back to that lovely idea of us sitting around a campfire yarning together, mm. which is what I think I actually just want to do with my life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, circle circle is a little, I, I see circle sharing is a little different from performative sharing i think performative is when you step into that leadership role but i love sitting in circle and and you know that's that equality that is that reciprocity um and that circle is a really safe strong container for to hear everything so i'm very interested in how all of this has all of your experiences and the way that you have led yourself through the, the the pastures of communication and the different ways that you have how that 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 has impacted your life you've touched on it around bringing to the light things that you needed to are there any other thoughts that you have around it's how how your capacity with communication has impacted your life in general um it i mean it just it, it enables me to connect with people. So it brings me great joy, you know, to be able to um, uh, find that that connection and it can be, uh, and, and, you know, lots, we all have these moments of connection, but the more we can cultivate these moments of connection, um, whether they're, you know, just laughing with someone at the supermarket or or whether they're in a sitting in circle and, and, and really in a structure that's designed to um, encourage that. So, um, it, it, you know, it brings me great joy. It enables me to be really creative. Like it's a very creative storytelling and is a really creative um uh activity and now the audio storytelling that i'm doing is um really creative as well um it enables me to in particular now with the listening and the you know doing interviews i'm really deeply listening for people and then i sit and listen to them over and over and over and over in their in the recordings of their voices um and so uh yeah that that you know just helps me deepen um, because I want to share stories, I want to um, shift mindsets. It, 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 um, that that curiosity sends me down a path, and and reflecting that through story, so that sends me down a path of research and learning, and so all of those things are really driven by a, a desire to, to then, feed them back out, to 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 condense them or shape them or put them into a story that's because stories are like the ultimate, um, kind of 
package that we consume information in. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, but really it just, um, yeah, helps me understand and be a better human. Uh, you know, I've got lots of failings. I feel like, I, you know, I'm making myself out to be a saint, but I definitely ain't. You know, emotions get always get in the way of good communication. Yes, I, I hear a thirst to understand in, in, in what you say and a, a, a desire, a, a supreme desire to connect. Those, these are your, your words. Um, but it does sound like you're living your values through your work. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, tr striving to, but yeah. without a doubt, striving to, yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Do you have a memory of a moment where you had breakthrough in your skill set? Now, it might be way back when you were a lawyer. It might be in your time as a storytelling teacher, trainer, crafter, performer, or in recent times as a as a as somebody who's working in audio and sharing stories through the medium of, of podcasting. Do you have a moment where you saw a breakthrough? Yeah. Um, oral performance storytelling, um, because it's a performance, there's there's so much painful learning from failure because it's very public. Um, so I've learnt uh, as much from failure um, as from success. They both they both um, are t great teachers, and they're also bo both great encouragers. Even failure is a is a driver to do better. So. Um, this one time, uh, this is a, about telling stories to to children, and there's lots of examples. But anyway, I was I was I'd done a long project at New Gisborne Primary School, and it culminated in um, me doing a storytelling session with the um, it, was, it was a lot of kids, 70, 80, 100 kids, all jammed in. The teachers were in there and they'd, I, because I'd been working there for a long time, they had a lot of respect for what I was doing and the kids were really, they'd been, I don't know, they'd been primed or they respected or they, you know, this was something special. And I told these stories and um, they were just, you know, they were just like sponges. They were lapping it up and um, and they came racing up at the end and, you know, how do I get to be a storyteller? And, you know, it was, it was just marvellous. Uh, and and there's something when you're telling a story and you know you can feel this weight of silence in the room. Everyone is, including you, you're all in the story and, you know, you know you've got the audience in the palm of your hand and isn't, there's nothing sweeter because you're being, you, you know, your story is working. It's doing, you've done all this prep and practice and, um, you know, trying to make it work and it is. So um, I did that in the morning and then I, I raced off to um, my local primary school where my kids are at school and I'd been doing a regular um, story. They uh, Every week the kids go across to the garden um, and it's a land care session and they sit around a tree and I, you know, was telling a story. And and because I came on this high and I was just like, yeah, I'm I'm the best storyteller. You kids are going to, yeah, you're in for a treat. And... Um, it was a disaster. It was a total disaster. The teacher, um, you know, sat up, stood up the back and chatted to someone else. Um, the kids were running around. You know, they weren't sitting. They weren't, and um, and it was just, it was just the most humbling, awful experience. And 
and I was really angry with the teacher at the time. I thought, it's your fault. You, you're not even listening. But actually, in hindsight, it was my expectation that this would be the same. But so it was that great lesson that every performance is new. Every audience is new. Every interaction is different and new. And, um, and I don't think we appreciate how hard performance is from that perspective. But also I was way too rigid. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, when you're learning something and storytelling, like I used to be any interruption, I was like my concentration would go, but I'm more practiced now. I can, I can flow with an interruption. I can, um, you know, I'm much more agile, but I wasn't then. I wasn't able, um, I, you know, I don't tell stories to children anymore either, but, um, uh, uh, yeah, but, but also I wasn't, um, I wasn't able to, there's a, there's a, there's a, in performance, there's that small, tiny little voice that's like, oh, it's all about me rather than well, this situation is different and this is not about you as a storyteller. This is not even about them being wrong. It's just, we're just in a different um, circumstance, adapt, be agile. And, and what that says to me is that what I understand by those, by that story, Kate, is, um, for myself is that context is critical. Uh, how people approach, everybody, how, how, how the space is held, how it's prepared for, how it's then informed and um, supported to become ready to receive. And, and th these are transferable understandings across so many industries, right? Um, I've recently become um, a qualified mediator and one of the elements of the work is to prepare uh, people to communicate, so to prepare to, to, to have those difficult conversations. That involves pre-sessions, of course, as it would do in the law. It also involves setting the room up correctly, which then translates across to teaching and how you set up your learning space and, and the, the tone of it. So it's very relatable across all sectors. And I think often when communication fails, it's because one of those key components isn't in place or hasn't been able to be put in place. And then you know, there are many reasons for that. And you've, you've explored how the first cohort, there was, I've written down, they were enthralled. Everybody was enthralled by the process. They were held because they were enabled to be. And then you sort of lifted it up into something else and off you all went together on your magic rug. <laughs> and the second session was entirely different for all the reasons you've explained. Yeah, and that setting context is absolutely, it, and, and creating, I mean, we work really hard to do that in the Women's Storytelling Nights. Um, it's it's crucial to collaboration processes, like, um, you know, sitting in circle, creating, you know, just sitting in circle is so different from being in rows. Um, and these types of contextual, um, simple but really profound, where you can see each other, like, you know, every, and everyone's equal. They really make a difference. So I'm, I'm wondering and somewhat leading into the next question, leading you with that question that time and physical organisation is going to be one of your go-to strategies to set up good outcomes for communication. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm not very good at answering what's your communication style, but that, that um, 
creating the conditions for good communication, which is um, that whether it's structural, there are, you know, there is physical um, aspects, really definitely, um, but there's, uh, and there's process um, and there's also being able to adapt um, and be agile to, to be in the moment and not be rigid around um, process and this is this is art. This is not uh, you know this is not science. Humans need art, full ways of creating these sorts of things, um, because everybody's different, and everyone responds to things differently. Um, so so yeah, and and taking the time and bringing that uh, and really questioning those things of of power and money. They both get in the way of caring. Um, and and care care the care factor is huge care for the people care, you know just just taking care I don't think it's complex I think it's very simple but it's not necessarily easy to do and mm -hmm. to remember to do in the face of a huge structure a huge hierarchical world that would have us in rows that would uh, have us follow scripts that would um, put one person in a directive power over position continually yes the the capitalist structure encourages us to do be short sharp and um efficient and out the door done resolve tick yeah <laughs> and what you're referring to is is a process that unfolds over time um with a lot of intention and enormous amount of skill you talked about flexibility a lot of humanity all humanity um, relational focus at its core, the sharing of uh, power, which is an empowerment process. Uh, highly, highly complex. You say it's art more than science. Are you referring to communication in general rather than just storytelling? Um, no, I was more thinking of um, uh, Group collaborate, group well, collaboration and communication within within a collaborative um, setting and creating creating those structures that we were talking about. That's um, yes, there's it's a, it's a it's a um, mixture, I guess, and most things are a mixture of uh, knowing, having tools, having a really like over prepare then go with the flow is a is a classic kind of facilitator's um, mantra because you you've got to be in the moment. No point going in with your rigid structure if the if the group goes, hang on, that's not how we you know that doesn't work for us. Um, but and but you're pushing back sometimes because you do have to you know if they've never experienced it. So that's the artful um, sense of and all communication has that. Um, uh, because it's a human thing you cannot make it into a cookie cutter formula it, 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 so it has to have art in it well and art may be the wrong word um but yeah so here's my word for it it's alchemy i see communication as the sort of alchemical process possibly in contexts where that we're talking about where there is time and space um, it's not alchemy always, <laughs> but that's at best what I'm looking for, something magical to happen um, because uh, I have prepared to the nth degree and then I've let go, which is exactly um, what you what you refer to. So that the, the impact I'm looking for is something magical, a light bulb or a frisson or a synergy of ideas between people. 
um, uh, in time and space. What impact are you looking for? You've already revealed some, but I'd love to ask you that question again. In in a in a group process, exactly what you're you've described. Um, it's it's a sort of um, uh, magic, but also you know sometimes it doesn't happen, and that's okay. Um, I think there's definitely something about um, coming back again and again and again. Um, you know, maybe three times, but because you're building relationship and and you're allowing things to settle and and then you come back and it's different again. So there's, uh, I'm probably, you know, it's a little bit out of context that that point, but um, in a group or in a, maybe in a mediation uh, and maybe you're doing it one off, but if, you know, I um, sometimes I think that a group that can meet more than once or um, that, that there's, I don't know, something's cooking in the, in the, in the space in between. Um, in terms of story, um, uh, yes, there's absolutely it's magic. It's that magic that was there when the when 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 you have when, with the kids in the first lot. Um, you're also um, you're a lot of storytellers that I've listened to talk about. You, you're just telling to one person, and as long as one person is um, change and you never know if that one person is out there but you make an assumption that that one person is out there that and you're telling the story to that one person which really helps you get over the person who's got their arms crossed nodding off in the front row um, which you know it takes a little while to get over that and they may actually be listening deeply you you know you, you know these stories we tell about what's actually going on out there in the audience um, uh, so, so I guess it is. I'm always looking for that moment where, um, where you you know you can feel the you know you can hear a pin drop, but but I love it when you know years later someone can say I remember that story you told. That was a great story, and I try to always do that back. I try you know just because that's how I know them. They told that story. Um, so yeah, storytelling is a little different in in what I'm looking for. I guess. And I'm, I'm feeling that the cooking, the cooking that happens in the space in between is similar to what you're, I'm making meaning as, as I'm thinking, that sort of un, gentle unfolding. You don't know, there isn't a sort, it's not like a bow and arrow that you, and you know, you hit a target and ding, you've, you've, you've made your dollar or whatever the, whatever the, the um, impact that, 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 it might be desirable it is an unfolding it is a trust building process both internally but between people and you just really don't know and you keep on doing it because you know it's a value yeah yeah i remember um giving a speech about once about communities and bushfires and 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 um and the speech was good and the speech went over well but I remember saying to this guy who was there from community I'm like you know what is the point what's the point of doing that this one speech is gone now and he just said no you know you have no idea what impact that might have and that impact can ripple out for you know you just have no idea um and we all know that we're also influenced by things and we go away and we never tell the person that we heard from and we um you know we, we just if it's in a big room or you know whatever it is we might see a movie and they never know what impact they've had on us so yeah we we yeah we have to i guess um when we're aligned with our values and um uh speaking from that place then 
we just have to assume that we're contributing to the betterment of the world. And the what we're saying is going to land with the with the a personal people who need to hear it. Is there somebody that you have experienced where that's happened to you? So that speaks to the, you know, is there an impactful communicator that you've witnessed, experienced that resonated so strongly with you and you remember the way they were, you remember how they made you feel or how you felt and the message they were imbuing? Yeah, um, I've worked with lots of uh, amazing communicators over the years. I think as a as a activist, as a, um, a social justice campaigner, the people I really admire are one. So the one who springs to mind is a woman called Amanda George, who was a prisons um, rights activist, and I um, worked alongside of her when I was a community lawyer. And it was in the days when they were. Um, privatising Victoria's prisons. Um, we had a, a um, Liberal government and and the privatisation was the first time they'd privatised prisons in Australia. They were privatising the women's prison, which was the first time they'd done that outside the US. And, um, you know, Amanda had been doing this work for a very long time and I watched her with the companies, the companies that periodically would send us threat letters that were going to sue us, um, that she just was able to sit in a room and like not rail against them, not be defensive, not attack them, just be um, a calm, reasonable uh, advocate for what she was trying to achieve. Uh, and she did that with the media, even when the media got it wrong. She just said, you're, you're always wanting to have those relationships and keep the doors open. And that, you know, I'm not very good at that particularly. And so I really admire it. Sounds like something you said earlier around clarity, your three C's, the final three of your three C's that she was able to embody. It, it sounds to me that clarity was one of those. Yeah, I mean, um, it wasn't, it was, it, it you know, I can be clear, you can be clear and railing at someone in your clarity, like you're really clear, but she was, it was more the embodiment of, um, you know, another one, calm, but, but she was, she was connecting, trying to connect across the boundaries of significant value differences. That's impressive. <laughs> Absolutely. Very impressive. Thank you for sharing that. It's it's a wonderful question to hear um, people's answers to because we get this sense of who these, this person might be and, and other people's. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's fascinating um, what the embodiment of sort of the acme of communication is for people. Yeah, mm. there's no one person, but it's interesting to hear of a description of a person. Thank you. We're coming to the end of our time together. I've got a couple more questions to ask you. And um, the next one is really a, a summation of, of all that we've talked about. And so there may be some additional points that you want to add to it, but it is that, what have you learned about communication as you've developed your skills? Uh, or is there a golden truth that you like to share with people? Um. So, so that 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 principle of reciprocity, which um, which I think is 
You know, I think it's really interesting and I think it's a counter to the capitalist system, quite frankly, and I think that it's much bigger than communication. But for me to find it embodied in communication was in, in, in thinking about the questions that I knew you were going to ask. So that, that was a real gift to me. So thank you. Um, I guess, uh, you know, and I've already said this, but listen, listen, listen. That's, you know, um, follow your curiosity. Um, make the effort to speak your truth. It can be really, really hard. Um, and uh, and respect people's time and and get get permission I guess sometimes um, uh, to if if you're going to take up a lot of time just just making sure you you know we're, you're all in knowing the boundaries of what the communication situation is I mean that's very general depends on it's as we said very context um, dependent um, yeah so and I don't as I said I don't think it's rocket science I think when we um, uh, Byron Katie, who I work I really like, says that defence is the first act of war. So when we when we armour up, um, e, e, then we're we're you know we're really going to struggle to communicate. So trying to remain open hearted, and that takes great confidence because you've got to believe in yourself, um, at, no matter what is going on, and and um, that's in a conflict situation. Again, I'm incredibly aspirational in that. In that respect, um, I'm as conflicted averse as the as the next person. I know it intellectually, but you know when it comes to actually doing it, that's not that um, yeah, not that easy. Thank you. Those are amazing um, truths that you that you hold dear to yourself. Thank you. Uh, before the final question, um, Kate, is there a way that people can connect with your work and you? Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, um, I uh, I have a website, so it's um, storyground.com.au uh, and you can find um, things that I'm doing there. Fantastic. Thank you. I really um, encourage people to to come and check, check out the amazing gifts that you offer. Uh, final question. When you say goodbye to somebody, how do you farewell them? Yeah, this was a really tricky one. I'm not, I'm not particularly good at goodbyes and I think it's really context dependent gosh you know if we haven't said that enough um you know if you're talking the ultimate goodbye um which is death that's um I would I would use ceremony in that situation um if you're talking about how to end an interview like this then there's a general question about you know is there anything else you want to say um and you know, just the logics of what's going to happen with the interview, that sort of thing, and then you just sign off. Like that's from one ex one deep extreme to the other. So, um, yeah, I don't have a set way. I think, um, yeah, I don't have a set way. I think, you know, you just you just do it. Sometimes it's awkward. You know, I really admire young people. I remember when they hang out with my kids' friends and they go, oh, awkward, and I'm like, yeah, that's just so refreshing to name awkwardness as opposed to just feeling awkward. So, yeah, sometimes goodbyes can be awkward. <laughs> well, I'm going to thank you from my heart um, to yours for uh, spending this time together today. It's been such a treat of a conversation. Uh, thank you for your time, Kate. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you for the opportunity. In this episode, Kate has shared her golden truths of communication to be reciprocal with others by seeking permission to communicate and val valuing people's time, to listen, listen, then listen some more, whilst also following your curiosity, remaining open-hearted and speaking your truth. 
My gratitude goes to Kate Lawrence for her time, wisdom and work, all shared with us with such contemplative eloquence. Find out more about her work at www.storyground.com.au. Thank you for your time and go well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compelling Communicators. Thanks to Nina Humphreys for composing the music you're listening to now. See you next time.